0: listen to a podcast I just want the pattern of like the talking to be right that's like most of what I care about and then it could just be about anything
1: (laughs) so you want the ups and downs of people's voices and the emotional like warmth of being in a room with people
0: yeah mostly and sometimes I want (laughs) like radio lab noises in the background and that's it that's everything I want out of a podcast
1: Welcome to the Ceramics Podcast. I'm Cami Klevakko, and this is my co-host Gustav, Gustav
0: Hamilton.
1: Hamilton. Um, and now we're talking about what we look for in a podcast, which, according to Gus, is not much—not
0: much, not much. <laughs> patterns. Uh, like, yeah, I, I feel like uh, like elevator music. I want a podcast to go on in, but I want to have headphones on, but it. Needs to be like as on un- intrusive as elevator music.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay.
0: What about s- you, Cammie?
1: I listen to so many podcasts, but, um, you know, sometimes like in the middle of a podcast, I'll just like go in the other room and uh, I don't really care. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, oh, I wish I would have heard that. <sighs> and then <laughs> I'll decide whether it's worth it to go back. Okay. What happened to you? What happened to your show in Denver? How was it? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a small little, it's like this really cool gallery called David B. Smith gallery. And I'm super excited to have a show there that though, I met the owner when I was in grad school and we've like been talking about doing something kind of since then and, and like never found the right time. And so I'm really excited to have it up. There and they show great work. The show that's like in their main space right now is really great too. Um, it's cool. Like I think, um, yeah, I think one of the I think part of one of the weird things is like I I, I get really anxious about being at my own openings or like an opening that I have work in, but i really like that moment because it feels like it's like like when the work goes up in a space, there is like a nice moment where you like kind of get back to your studio and your studio is empty and you're like all right it's time for the new thing like it's right. time to like you know that work's gone like let's start on some new stuff i missed the opening they had an, an opening and i missed it um but i think being able to go to the opening it's like you kind of get that period on the end of the work where it's like you gotta show your friends you gotta like have awkward conversations about why you did that thing? Yeah. um You got to celebrate the work that you put into it, and it's that's like it was... the
1: climax of all this of all the time, right? Yeah, it comes but... to this moment where you're just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that too. Yeah. You look around the space, and then you see your piece, and you're like, I can't believe, you know, it's almost because you just are so in your studio, and then yeah. you see a piece out. We see a piece out in the world, even if you're at someone's house, which we talked about on another podcast, like you run yeah. into one of your pieces, but when you see it somewhere else, that's not in your studio, it's always like a little bit of, of a surprise. Like,
0: yeah, it's like when you like, saw your teacher at the grocery store as a kid.
1: Yes. Yeah. also Yes. A little bit of that, but also a little bit like you're hovering outside your body, looking at you in a way that you were like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Even though it's like you did it, you made it, but all of a sudden you're a viewer of your own work and it's because it's not your space anymore. Yeah. So weird. It's like you get, you gave up your, you gave up a little bit of your privacy, I think. Yeah. So that's like so weird to put, put yourself out in the world. It's so exciting too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, really, really happy that I want to see it. Cause I think, I think if I wouldn't have gone out there, it would have like, felt like it never happened.
1: Oh, right. And
0: it was so nice to go out there. And um, Marsha Mack um, works at David B. Smith Gallery too. Who's like someone that um, we know just mostly through the internet, but I, I know her from just being in Denver a couple of times, but between her and David who owns the gallery, it was like so nice to be out there and get to like talk about the work and look at the work in person. and. Um, and just like have it out of space and then get to see it again but yeah it's cool yeah Yeah. what's up with you you're not painting
1: no i've been working in the studio just like slowly making stuff and um trying not to blow up any more kiln so i did a kiln firing the other day and i made a cone pack and then the the cone pack was too wet and um I kind of just blew up and got into all my glaze stuff so I felt pretty good about it yeah and then I made a bad batch of clear glaze and then did you test
0: it first though you must have tested it first before you made a big batch of it right
1: well it's you must have like tested
0: it and then like tested one more time just to be certain
1: I mean a lot of things comments that you're saying right now are like repetitive and uh I can't, I just don't feel comfortable answering that. But it was a glaze that I've used a million times. So that's weird. But the other glaze, so I decided to make a zinc-free clear glaze and that's the one that I didn't test and I made a whole bucket because I trusted the internet.
0: You can't ever,
1: ever. Okay, so you guys, Gus told me this the other day. He said, never ever trust a glaze recipe That's 520s. Like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's nothing wrong with it.
1: But now that I.
0: I bet it makes it. I bet it makes it great. Just like Glossy Glaze, you know?
1: Well. Yeah.
0: But you know what? You know why I'm anti those is because people picked them because they're easy to mix and not because they're the right. (laughs) That's why. Because I used to have. I used to have one that was. A four three two one glaze and one that was 520. And the only reason I use them is because I had them both memorized and I used them for years. Aww. And one turned out to be a fake matte glaze, and the other one just had like a crazy flux ratio. Um and I still use them sometimes depending on what <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> but I'm not oh my making God. functional stuff, but um yeah. But yeah, everybody should go on glazy.org and look at stuff and read comments because it's a really great resource. And they do tend to share a lot of pictures and people ask a lot of questions. That's and true. It's an amazing thing. Yeah. It's it's the most amazing thing that's happened to ceramics since I got into it.
1: Oh, that's I true. I stand by that. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. Like before the glazy website um you just had to keep testing glazes and then beg your friends for their recipes and you know how people get with their recipes oh give you some crazy they're like yeah i'll give it to you and then they leave out the silica yeah (laughs) they're like oh i oh i must have forgot it well i'll get it to you yeah i'm gonna give it to you
0: that's what people always think that I won't give them a recipe, but it's just because I actually lost it most of the time.
1: <laughs> actually, they find a
0: test tile and they're like, Can I have this recipe? And I'm like, I don't know where it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I, I've had pretty good luck with you giving me recipes. Yeah. But I really am getting more organized. It. Well, you.
0: We have a new system, which is you're going to like this. Okay. Developed by Sarah Allwine okay. in the back room of Brooklyn Clay anybody finds a recipe or a notepad that has recipes in it there's a milk crate and you just stick it in the milk crate no matter what it is no matter if it's like stuck behind a pugger and it's like
1: i don't know been sitting oh, there God. for six
0: months you pick it up you throw it in that milk crate I can't, because then it's just there and then when i start freaking out because i can't find a recipe you go to the milk crate it's always in there
1: i cannot believe that i have a podcast with you
0: <laughs> i know i can't either I can't believe that's the system.
1: I can't believe that I shouldn't that.
0: tell people that. Everyone's also, gonna adopt you know that what now. I, I know?
1: Good. I know that for sure. I know in my heart that it's probably the best working thing in the whole back room of that. Whole, of that <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: too much stuff.
1: Uh, There's a lot of stuff. All right. So I think, I think we're good on a, I think we got it. No, is there anything else we should cover quick? I think we definitely have a 10-minute opening in there. Yeah. All right. So then let's intro Tony for real this time. Um, Tony Quinn is the head of the ceramics department at Central St. Martins, and he is on our podcast today. We're so excited to have him. He is, been coming back and forth to the United States and doing projects for a while. And obviously, with COVID, he had to take this year off but
0: yeah, that's how I, that's how I first met Tony was through a project that, um, we did with wanted design fair here in New York city. And they reached out because they needed like a team of people on the ground here to do a lot of the prep work and get things ready for when they arrived. Um, and we talked more about it, but everybody from central St. Martin's that came over was like a blast to work with. And they're all, um, like really serious about teaching art and come up with really kind of wild and creative ways to go about that and they were like really quick to adapt when the pandemic hit and things started to close um and yeah tony seems like a great teacher he's like taught me a lot of stuff uh even in our like fairly short friendship i think we're i think we're friends i I don't think we'll see if he'll want us to edit that yeah out, but, we'll uh, see
1: I don't I wouldn't put uh, words he, in his mouth
0: but he <laughs> uh, he's also just like a blast to hang out with so we were super excited to have him on the podcast and to be able to just chat with him about something that he knows so much about which is ceramics and education
1: yes um I hope you guys like this one here he is Tony Quinn So nice to meet you in person. I feel like Gus has met you, right? I'm also also I'm all, I'm recording. So a couple things, like I do a fair amount of editing. So um, I mean, if there's something that you're like you can't put that on, of course, like I'll take it out even after the conversation. Like if you're like insulting um, Royal College College of Art, for example, I'll be like, oh, he may not want that in the archive of the Ceramics Podcast. So, How
2: did you know that was the likely my <laughs> response? <laughs>
1: yeah, so I just had a feeling, I don't know, I don't know a lot about, uh, I don't know a lot about British ceramic, British ceramics art programs, so I just, you know, just like one of those things. Yeah,
2: no, I'm pretty cool that uh, you just do what you need to do, it's fine, I don't really okay. mind. I, I have a tendency to sort of like, everyone, at least in the UK, knows me and they're all, there'll be very little I say that they won't have heard me say before so don't (laughs) worry (laughs) if I'm offending people I've probably offended them before you know
1: oh that must feel good
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's nice to meet you because we've sort of like been connected on Instagram a little bit and like I was overworking with Gus Nanders, so I imagine we just sort of missed you somehow because we were there for about 10 days I
1: think I think that yeah I wasn't involved with that project so it was like you know you know it's like you come in and out of whatever, but I heard about the project. The project was, what did you guys, what were you working on? It
2: was when we worked with Carolina's group down in uh, Industry City. We were, um, uh, it was called Design Transforms. We were basically trying to um, sort of bring the, you know, the, the true residents of that area into the sort of gentrified space, because this sort of like, you know, this sort of like, um, gentrified palace sort of situation or you know high castle and so like the people live in our area who work with Carlina, came to work with us in the space and and, you know very much brought their own identity into that zone so that was the idea of it and we were supposed to come we were supposed to come back before all the pandemic happened and do it again and again we're now like into like two cycles of missing it you know being locked up a long time
1: right that's really crazy I feel like we might have a little bit more freedom than you do, right?
2: Um, yeah, we've gone through phases of like, uh, sort of like, um, sort of super lockdown and then almost like stupidly open. We had the government did this thing called eat out to help out. So they encouraged everyone to go to restaurants. So it was like eat out to help everyone get ill. That's really what happened because they went from like super tight lockdowns, like, Yay, let's all go eating and let's go into restaurants and pubs and stuff, I and mean, it all went mad. So <laughs> it's like we've we've had we've had the government learn how to do it really well through everyone else's risk. So a lot of people have died when they've worked out how to like make it work. So now it's been really extreme, and they've published this long sort of uh, exit program, which just seems entirely sensible. Yeah. Um, well, it's like they've learned, they've learned that the hard way. Yeah.
0: So what's happening with with uh, school? Everything's online? Uh, back, to,
2: back to school today. Oh. So, so we opened up again today. We've had since since this time last year, we had the summer was lockdown. Then in the autumn to fall term, um, we had um, what we call blended learning, which was basically we were in working, but we were all wearing masks. We weren't really doing face-to-face tuition. Most of the formal tuition was online, so we had this strange situation where the student might be in the studio working, and I would be in my office teaching them. You know, like holding a tutorial with them, which was quite strange. Um, yeah. uh, and then we had um, we've had since January another really tight lockdown, and today we go back. Um, but to be honest with you, it shows how extreme it's got that I'm actually. I'm I'm really pleased. Like, the the optimum that I can expect now is this sort of like sort of online, offline hybrid thing where the students are in working and I can be in my studio, I can be in my home or in my office teaching them to the computer. And that's like the summit of my ambition now. (laughs) 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 That will do me because it's so much easier. Yeah, I bet. It's it's so much easier than teaching people in their kitchens and bedrooms. Yeah. So it's very. uh, it's a very strange situation. In fact, we caused a bit of a sort of uh, a bit of a furore in the UK because when we, uh, our, our, our departments, because when we sort of locked down in January, the first thing I said was like, we need to send everyone materials. Yeah. And, uh, and initially my bosses were like, you crazy, that's going to cost a fortune. I was like, no, no, this is basically for students and staff well-being. We just need to try and make it sort of semi-real. Yeah. So we sent everyone a few bags of clay and a, f- a bag of plaster, um, and the, the students were sending us things like you know shopping lists and I was like, no, 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 there's no, I'm not offering an online <laughs> sort of portal here. You get the yeah. clay and plaster, that's it. And they were like, I don't need the plaster like you do if you want the clay to last long, okay? Because <laughs> 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 they were like, I don't want to make molds. I, said, I don't want you to make molds. I just want you to go to recycle your plaster, <laughs> uh, recycle your clay. Um, uh, but then we had college uh, students from other colleges other art schools contacting we well, have an instagram which is basically the students you know and, and they were like contacting going, uh so did you pay for this or did your department pay for it uh... and the students the students are like yeah our tutors paid for it it's really cool isn't it and so like we're getting all these like <laughs> i think we've i think we've caused chaos across the country where there's people going to their courses going um, central st martin's have paid for, uh, and shipped their students materials um but actually the interesting thing is it just needed to happen and, and as much for staff well-being because you can only pretend to teach the subject online for so long. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah. It seemed like you you all were like pretty good at, at adapting pretty quickly because I remember we were talking quite a bit at the start of this when Brooklyn Clay was also just trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, but actually the
2: interesting thing is I think that was partly sort of... You We've know, got a really good team who we are very... Sort of dynamic and able, much like Brooklyn Clay. There's a reason we've sort of found some sort of uh, synergy because I think we we see a lot of how we operate and how you operate. But it's you know prolonged period of time we started to realize this was probably not viable. You know, like in the you know to go indefinitely. Yeah. So in the way initially it was okay and we sort of rose to it and we even sort of enjoyed it initially and then it started and then by January they were like lockdown again I'm like oh. yeah. how are we yeah. this?
1: <laughs> it was pretty fun you're you're not wrong I feel like I, we went through that too where you're like sort of the transition from um in person to online and then you have like I got all this opportunity to develop all these like all this curriculum and all these different lectures, like everything switched to online and it was so fun to like put it all together. And then now that we're back in person, it's like all that stuff's just
0: gone. I think you're saying that now, Cami, but I remember it-
1: At the time.
0: So stressful and yeah. difficult to cause you'd be like, okay, I got two days to put together an online ceramics class where nobody has clay.
1: Yeah, all. yeah. It <laughs> took like 10 hours to put together a two hour class. Yeah. So, yeah, you're yeah. right. It, it was now in retrospect, you're right. It, at the time, it was not fun. But yeah. now I'm like, oh, my God, I have, like, I learned so much.
2: Yeah. Fun memories of sort of like this sort <laughs> of process. But it's interesting because Claire, um, Claire, to me, my wife, she did a thing. She got invited by the BBC to do a class. So she did some line on the BBC this sort of like, you know, portal. And she's on there, like some national TV doing a class with marzipan, you know, <laughs> and it, and she and what she did really well, what she did really well is she, it was like complete suspension of disbelief, so there was no embarrassment in it. She just taught it like it was real, and 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 like you know, as pinch pots, from saying, "Well, this is a material you have in your cupboard probably, so in your kitchen, so you can use this." And it was really, very really well executed. um That's cool. Uh, but, but the interesting thing that happened to me during this period, I was already on this route. Actually, um, I've been working with a Danish organization called Chaos Pilots for about five years now, and um, but I think the last year has really sort of supercharged this. That I realized that as the sort of you know the leader of a sort of ceramics department, so sort of, uh, we have around a hundred people, so we have about eighty five plus bachelor's students, then about 12 MA students and about three or four PhD students, is I realised that it's not enough to be expert solely in the subject. Um, But also you need to... uh, What's happened to me in the last years. I've realised I need to be such an expert educator as well. So it's not good enough to just know about, like, you know, stoneware or porcelain or particular processes because what happened online is I need to also be... um, really good at making, you know, like this disconnect where I have to overcome the disconnect and I can't just do it by sort of going, well, you know, cone six, that's not enough. Like yeah. I need to actually now make the learning experience much more powerful than simply re- relying on knowledge that I've sort of packed away over a number of years. I suppose what I'm getting at is like-
1: I was like, where, we, what, what, how do you do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, everyone
1: wants to know this.
2: Well, this is why, I like, you know, in a way, um, but you're doing it here. You've sort of, like, you know, you. you I, I think, well, I saw the Ceramics podcast is a year old,
1: you know? Yeah.
2: So this is an example of, like, okay, we have to go to another level. We can't, you know, like, it's, like, we have to create. Um, we've started doing a thing in teaching where we, we do the, what we call active studio. I was inspired by Emma. My colleague was doing these breakfast lessons. And what they were doing is they were opening the camera, but not teaching and they were trying to create, like, a studio culture. And now we, we do this active studio thing where we point the camera down at our hands and just, like, and we're talking and, like, you know, looking at what people are doing. And it, so it's, like, in the studio where, like, you, you're actually making something and working away at something, but you're holding a different conversation. So, you know, somebody might say, uh, yeah, I was watching Netflix last night. Is this that, pro- <laughs> that film about that, that guy who's, like, worked out... Humanity through studying an octopus. What was it? You know that really—it's <laughs> really cool film. um And that's like the sort of conversation that happens in the studio. That's sort of disconnected, but completely connected because what happens, you you sort of range around for a while talking about something else, and slowly it comes back into your project or whatever you're doing, and then it flows out again. And so, trying to create this sort of feeling of a studio—you know that 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 thing that very much happens in the studio where like we can sort of engage our hands in a sort of active and, and, and that sort of like haptic sort of engagement and hold a conversation about something else at the same time and, and move in and out of relevance to the project. Um, and so like this this thing about like being experts, I'm more to a like the idea of engaging beyond simply the material. Like, so I can't, I suppose what I'm getting at is I can't just talk about like, you know, how to do something anymore. Because the sort of like, um, I suppose what I'm saying is the um, direct connection has is, is been broken. Yeah. So I can't rely on that direct connection, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's not, you know, normally if I was in the workshop, I'd go, I'd pick it up or show someone or take the tool. I can't even take a tool off someone now.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Because
2: like, you have to spray it down. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my god. right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, so like there's a sort of like different layer of connection that we have. to, And this is where, so the, this sort of sort of form of personal development I've been doing and then getting my team to do it is around sort of learning how to, as an educator, build connection, create conditions, um, understand the context we're in, not simply just sort of mainline the, the techniques that we, we're used to. No, so, well, we all know people who love no loads it doesn't make them great educators
0: yeah yeah Yeah, that is that's a good point because I think here I don't know what it's like over there but here uh it seems like a lot of teaching jobs are based on like the people's work and where they went to school and not necessarily and like when we like I had a really short period as a sabbatical replacement. And I had never taken an education class. I had never put together a syllabus before, but I had an MFA, so I got hired. Um, <laughs> and it was really crazy.
1: Yeah, that happened. Yeah. yeah, And that's I think- pretty
2: much the thing over there. And it's like a real thing, you know, like that's sort of like MFA students teaching the bachelor students. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just to save a little bit of money.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: or I mean it also gives the MFAs experience that's like highly sought after to get you know one of the five teaching jobs that are available. Yeah you know, yeah and you know,
2: and then this is this is my thing. We, we've got students coming to our department from the Royal college um, we do it every year or two they you know come and get some experience. but I was saying to the tutor there that um, you know you' saying our students can do this and do that. And for your students yeah but they actually need teaching experience it's not simply trying things out in our department they need to also shadow and work with experienced educators because you can't just go from never teaching to teaching yeah now we know we know a lot of stuff so we can sort of pass over skill or knowledge but that isn't that's passing over knowledge that's knowledge or it's not actually necessarily teaching you know
0: yeah
1: yeah i think um, it took it it takes a really long time to be a good teacher i feel like
0: yeah exactly yeah uh tony have you always been interested in teaching because the like i have the two books or maybe there's more books but i have two books that you've put together and like that's a really generous thing even if you're you know writing it uh and publishing it and selling it like putting all that information together is a really generous thing to put out there and before we got on cami and i were like reading through your bio um and you also teach somewhere in norway
2: yeah i just left this year i used to i had had a professor what they call an adjunct professor a visiting professor shipped there and taught there for 12 years i didn't teach in the ceramics department weirdly enough um which was quite cool
0: what did you teach
2: I was in the design department. Okay. Um, I was in the, they had this sort of like little wing of the design department, which was like a sort of mini Bauhaus. It was called Form, Space and Color. So I was a professor of form. <laughs> I used to do the other teachers' heads in the late, like, they were there because they were like, Form, Space and Color isn't a department. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, I've always taught, like, I left. So I left the Royal College in 96 and I think within 18 months I was in sort of teaching. But very much what I just described, that's sort of like, as you agreed, the, like it took a long time to be a good teacher. Like there's an intent to teach and there's like, there's an intent or a generosity around sharing knowledge. But it takes a while to sort of get practice that, um, being good at it
1: um but yeah. it's also bottomless like an intense and bottomless generosity to be you know to pass on knowledge because like you know you may want to pass on the knowledge but the person the student may not want the knowledge yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have to give it to them in one way or another
2: <laughs> yeah the hot, there's the easy way or the hard way <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah you're right but uh, the, the 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 interesting for me is that uh, I don't know. I couldn't put a time on when it sort of started to change, but I I remember being at a um, giving a lecture somewhere, you know. So doing that thing where I do a lot of sort of, uh, you know, I'll switch. Particularly, it's easier now with this format, but I used to sort of switch lectures with people, so I'd contact them and say, oh, "I'm in Manchester, I can do a lecture for you, and next time in London, you can do one for me," you know, and just sort of like. Um, I remember sort of like, I think it was the first time I said it aloud, I said, you know, um, i describe myself as a sort of designer educator um, or, you know, ceramics ceramicist educator. Uh, and um, I said, you know, if your tutor says they're just doing a bit of teaching to, to earn some money, they're probably not good tutor you know so I was like and and I I, I think what I was trying to say is it's like 100% commitment that's really what I meant but I said it in probably the rudest possible way possible (laughs) and and then I was conscious of the person who like you know let me in their door I could be describing them they could have like two weeks two weeks earlier said to their students you know I'll just do a bit of teaching but my practice and so like really I came to the conclusion somewhere you know I don't quite know when that like my practice was sort of like teaching or education and um, freelancing and designing for people and stuff. So it was more like they were all completely woven into each other um, and then not really sort of separable Uh, at the moment. And it's part of a few things at play, but like the ascendancy is very much sort of uh, teaching, but that's partly to do with like a number of sort of like determining factors. Last eighteen months or last year, so it's this COVID. Uh, before that, it was for two or three years prior to that, I'd, like newly taken over as head of department. So there was a lot of sort of like you know building capacity, and just at the point where I thought, "All right, cool, I we'll, can we'll, we'll step back now," then yeah, this this went down, and <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, uh, so yeah, um the books were good, the, but but it's interesting. I'm actually I've just received a, a grant we built a european network with four other institutions and we got a grant of four hundred one thousand euros i quite like that, the one on there <laughs>
1: uh, yeah
0: that's really nice
1: you gotta split it or yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: um to um develop a it's the project's called craft and what we're doing is it's three tiered projects so we're mapping and mapping knowledge and reaching out to crafts people and industry people and and trying to like essentially like capture knowledge while it's still there Um, because we know a lot of and it'll be similar in in the US a lot of like you know people who've taught and ran a studio for like many many years will be coming towards the end of their career Um, and they're like a font of wisdom so we're doing this sort of like trying to like interview people and get them to do demonstrations for us and create this sort of like these assets this research And then the next layer of that is to take that information. So not simply put it out there, because there's a lot of that already in existence, but the intention here is to develop like a a teaching program based on that knowledge. So for each of the institutions, so we're working with NOVA in Lisbon, um, Berlin Art School, um, uh, Oslo School of Art and Design, uh, um school improm is prague so that's the applied arts school and the idea is that we'll each sort of try and develop teaching packages around the knowledge that we capture you know so like say so in germany you know n- northwestern germany salt glazes or something so, okay we've spoken to the salt glaze person <laughs> and we've yeah. got the you know we've got the sort of like definitive um information on salt glazes okay do something with it not simply put it there as a video but actually develop teaching approaches that, like, build a program from it. And then sort the of third stage is to create this online open resource where you've got the, the sort of, like, the image capture, the videography, all of the documentary stuff, but you've also got teaching approaches to it so we can sort of translate it inside to the institutions. And it came from a sort of, like, premise that the, um, you know, there's this idea of, like, what's the in Chinese they call it the intangible cultural heritage that's the sort of thing and um, intangible cultural heritage like the our argument was that it's it's basically uh inside uh art schools and universities where there's there's where you're know, sort of teaching skills just to pass it on and not where there's some sort of economic thing driving it you know where because a company could have like lots of craftsmen, and then they, they go through a bit of a downturn, and one of their people go, you know, there's this machine over here which will do the job of five people, and it will cost us twice as much in the short term, but it'll be a saving a lot. so. So companies have to make these sort of like economic decisions often, um, and so it's the our argument was that this sort of like you know the knowledge for knowledge's sake, resided in education institutions, not in industry or not in studios where, they, where you're driven by a bit of a sort of economic pressure. Not, not to say people don't believe in those things, that they just, they have a, there's a different um, a push or energy around it.
1: I mean, that's kind of the, I mean, that was the idea behind the Bauhaus school, right? Kind of yeah. like preparing people for industry and preparing industry for, like, the the reciprocal relationship between industry and uh, designer, architect, whatever. Yeah, I was yeah, exactly. But I feel like, I mean, like, I don't know. It could be argued that, I guess, like, the art, the long life argument is that, like, the industry takes away from the artist or, like, the individual practice or, like, that, the hand or whatever, inevitably. Yeah, I don't know. I, I...
2: Uh, yeah, so I wasn't even really placing it with industry, but um, I was just more saying that, like, there's people with incredible knowledge who are, like, sort of, you know, we need to, like, capture them and, like, meet with them and and record them and pros- posterity and capture their skills. and um, But okay. I, actually, but the interesting thing about the industry thing, people used to sort of, like, for a long time, Central Saint Martins, where I teach, used to have this reputation, and people say, "Oh, yeah, but Tony, you know the, uh, you know S- Central's industrial," and I would like, "Yeah, but the potter's wheel is an industrial process, you know." <laughs> so if we if we if we, we want to go outside and street fight about it, the potter's wheel's is <laughs> <laughs> an industrial process. Um, so um... I'm not necessarily I'm not actually against the idea of the studio or the, or industry. It's not. Uh, it's more a case of like, there's these specialists, and they might be. A model maker in a company, or they might be a, a, a hand painter. You know, one of the companies we've really connected to is Royal Delft, which is just about that sort of delft where beautiful hand painting. You know, yeah. um, and that and that's not that's not an it's like yeah. industrial process because that that company see themselves as like you know custodian for that knowledge, you know, but actually, you know, um. It's, it's like three or four hand painters who've worked there 30 years who are incredibly skilled and in on the glaze painting. You know? Yeah, That's really the skill. Uh, do yeah.
1: you, I have two, go ahead Gus. No, go ahead. Well, I have two, like, um, well, one, one thing I wanted to, I think both Gus and I wanted to ask you was about this idea of like, you really love giving them information away for free. And we were wondering if like you hate money
0: <laughs>
1: why do you hate money so much uh, with never, the open I've, source
2: I've never had to put it put at me like that well actually it's interesting <laughs> you say that because when we were developing this European wide project we were working with another uh, person a very very nice woman from a, uh, from the AKWC in um, Holland, you know the European ceramic work sense it's a very famous institution, it's really good. But she couldn't see she, we ended up in quite a heated discussion and she if I don't know if she will hear this, she was great so it's not like a pop of hair, but it was just like we were diametrically opposed on like the idea of owning knowledge. Yeah And, and, and for me because she was like, well why would people engage with us and give us their knowledge for us to put it out there publicly? But I was like, well, but everyone's been taught by somebody. The whole point is knowledge is passed from A to B. You know that you know um, ceramics is one of the oldest known sort of industries or processes or techniques or whatever it is, disciplines known to man. You know, and that was passed from person to person to person to person over over hundreds of years. You know, or thousands of years. Uh, so the idea of like somebody owning knowledge. In a way that sort of closes it off to everyone else. Um, yeah, I do have a problem with that actually. Um, and it, but not not like people are entitled to do it. But yeah, I could look at someone's process and go, okay, this 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 and this, and we could copy it. Yeah. If you wished, but not not to sort of steal someone's idea. It's more like let's share, and and actually. I did this sort of like when the students in the in the autumn, we started back and I had to like do this online sort of like, you know, power to the people message to the students. And I spoke about like the subject was nearly 30,000 years old and it will, it survived pretty much everything you can throw at it. So this, the, the subject of ceramics is going to continue through this sort of worldwide pandemic. Uh, but what's at risk is you know where knowledge is held because you know some people we know there's somebody who was on our list to contact who passed away over the holiday you know like and that's and it wasn't through COVID it was just but, but just an example of like how knowledge just disappears overnight so it's more about sort of capturing and sharing and celebrating and I'm not yeah i probably am anti-money i'm probably sort of like i i, I might use the c words but i don't know you'll get closed down if someone <laughs> are listening you know i'm probably close to communist
0: you know, ah, sort of oh my
1: god we just lost half our listeners
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just lost half of our hosts
0: uh, yeah <laughs> uh no just, i mean speaking about uh knowledge going away when we um When I was trying to learn about jiggering and jollying like that was something that was just almost impossible to find information about at least here in the United States. Uh, Like I couldn't find I would find books that would have like one chapter where it'd be like this is a jigger jolly machine and then it would show like one mold and then that'd be it. Um, And I think I reached out to you at some point for help with some of it, but I. I get the feeling that at least over at central saint martin's that you teach a little bit more of those like sort of older industrial techniques than here in the united states especially at least where i went to school it was um like we really we didn't have to learn glaze chemistry if we didn't want to we didn't have to learn mold making if we didn't want to we didn't have like you could kind of do whatever you wanted and so a lot of that stuff, like I had to learn mold making after I finished school, on the job. Um, I've learned about slip casting on the job and jiggering and jollying um, on the job. Yeah, yeah, just by like trying it and calling friends, and luckily I have like I, a good network to call. But I think there's, I, I really like a lot of the,
2: a lot of the things about the U.S. model, like you know, um, as I've been to NC a number of times, just taught, taught in kansas no wait we're in Can-
0: um sorry where you taught in kansas yeah
2: in the art institute's not oh. not in the because you, you went to university then?
0: uh i went to kansas yeah kansas state university
2: yeah which is, uh, where uh, I,
0: which is where i met claire for the first time
2: yeah so i was in the other the one that ones. okay yeah um but um but there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff around that us model actually i, I don't and I, I actually like that liberal arts idea where you sort of have other strings to your bow but i also um like i'd, I'd almost like best of both worlds because i do like the um the sort of art school model that we have in the uk in fact i talk about it more and more now it's become my sort of like i, I mentioned the word even as a sort of policy inside the art school i use the word art school because they used the word university a lot, so we're being yeah. drawn to this sort of like anodyne sort of structure, and I'm like, yeah, but this is an art school. You know, I'm reminding the head, I'm reminding the head of the art school that he's the head of an art school, not a university. Um, but the um, yeah, the way the way in a way, me and Duncan, who you know, uh, Duncan Houston, for those who haven't met him, um, we talk about like. Given people the education we didn't get. So like we got like a similar sort of like take it or leave it sort of education. You could choose No, an no, uh, open choice sort of education. You could choose which bit you did. But I, I always think now, like the problem is, is, is you don't, the, the students don't have the benefits of foresight. So they don't know what they need. Yeah. So I would sort of like go throw it at them. It's fairly intense curriculum for about it uh one and a half years and then the next one and a half years it's completely free form it gets closer to what you experience but they but they make choices there based on knowledge and experience of like what they um yeah what they enjoy, what they think is powerful, what's a good i uh, what's a good process. But we also hope that what they do is um is feel confidence in more than once. So they don't go, I'm a hand builder, but they don't go, I you know, I coil, you know that These sorts of like they might have a studio where they get a commission. Uh, somebody contact them and they go, Yeah, we're we're open, we're hoping for like 2000 mugs. And the person, Yeah, okay, slip casting, yeah, I can do that. And then two weeks later, they get a commission for you know a one off sort of bust or tile thing, and they they can do that as well. And they're they're able to sort of act in both arenas and not, you know, because I always find it quite strange that like, um, people's you know like designate themselves by one material not even one material one part of the process you know and I say that as I'm almost exclusively an industrial designer yeah you know what I mean so I don't throw (laughs) and I I, I actually use that as a sort of like point of like there's a reveal that I do with the students somewhere around halfway through the first year there's like the, the big reveal is Tony's head of course and he can't throw
1: it's not.
0: It's not. Don't throw. It's can't throw. You know? what, what do you think is the? What's the best thing that you've ever thrown? Can you just describe it really quickly? I, I I've thrown for like four days in my entire life. <laughs> I don't remember.
1: So a like a lovely ashtray.
2: Yeah, it was like I don't. I I basically like I was as students in Stoke, um, and I didn't complete the course on 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 day four was the thursday night was the sort of student you know thursday night was a big student night out nightclubs and stuff and i didn't turn up on the friday so I, <laughs> so I didn't complete the throwing course
1: i don't maybe you would be a good contestant for the british pottery throwdown you would be like the perfect like yeah. underdog <laughs> like the guy who knows everything and nothing yeah, yeah. Um, i've
2: been watching i've been watching there's a there's a u.s but the I think it's called blown away or something. It's yeah, basically the so glass, glass. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's <laughs> oh, really good. It's because
2: on... we think ceramics is hard. Glass is like off the scale. It's sky. really
1: hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really really hard. Those they're they do amazing work in that show. Wow. I mean, oh, yeah. the glass like really good glass blowers are like fascinating to watch. It's like it's just like a at,
0: at Alfred, there you can go. There's this hallway, and and it it's like one floor one story above the glass blowing studios and they put in little windows so you can just stand up there and watch the glass blowers like you're at a zoo
1: <laughs> yeah Tap
0: on the windows when they're doing stuff and that's i would always just take my phone calls up there so i wouldn't bother my studio mates and just stare at the people blowing glass
1: yeah it's like the best thing to watch
0: i just want to hear like really briefly how you got into ceramics in the first place
1: um
2: it was a bit of a sort of accidental route. So, did, we have a thing in the UK called the foundation course, which is a sort of entry level from your sort of high school. It only really happens in art um, or the arts. So, you don't get it, you don't do a foundation course if you're going to do English or drama or something. But, um, so, you, you'll do this one year, very, very much based on a sort of Bauhaus model of sort of trying everything, a lot of sort of like just playing. And then you sort of choose. And I actually chose a more sort of like textile route. And then I applied to a course and they um, they could see through my
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: my reason for wanting to do textiles, which was probably not printing textiles. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Quite like your laughter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I um, so I was drawn into like almost like going the wrong direction, and then the the um, when I went to an interview, they said, you know, they didn't, but they then said well, you should go and apply here, you know, or they they passed on my application to this other course, which was to study ceramics. So I hadn't really done anything at that point. Um, so, so uh, but that was in. Stoke-on-Trent, which is the sort of center of the ceramics world.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: I was going to say center of ceramics in the UK, then I just decided to sort of, like, go all wow, out you- there. I was, I, was going to,
1: I was going to be like Jingdezhen, or, like, have you ever heard of China? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, um, but but go ahead, yeah.
2: No, no, no. Um, but, yeah, so the center of the sort of UK ceramics, and in a way, very industrial as well, So, but that's where, like, in a way, I was sort of connected to the idea of, like, All of these so-called factories was just an assembly line of like, you know, uh, super skilled craftspeople. It's not really a factory in that sense. It's a sort of like series of stations where people are highly crafted in doing their thing. Um, So, yeah, I was there for four years and then um, went to London to go to the Royal College of Art. And then being in London ever since, but um, but yeah, it was just—I don't think there was a sort of um, huge intention. Yeah, like it was sort of weird. I—I I didn't even really choose to, to choose to apply to the Royal College. I sort of like. I just you know you said at the start you can edit. So I don't think you should edit this, but this is quite funny because i am realised now slack my approach <laughs> <laughs> because when I went to um, when I went to the Royal College, there's just some friends going down to London to go to the Royal College, and I just came with them as a day trip, and I went I went to the Royal College, had a look around, and I went off to meet other friends for a few beers, and the, I hadn't really necessarily decided to go to Royal College, and interestingly, I I was interested in going to I applied or I was, I, I applied to MA in Stoke where I was already uh, studying MA, doing MA at Royal College and I had applied or wanted to apply to do the MFA at Alfred,
0: oh. wow. but,
2: I, but, but this is like pre-internet days, guys, you know, so like yeah. basically I it was like physical and I received the sort of pack to apply pretty much as a the deadline had gone you know what i mean so I don't, uh, yeah, but it was all like I got the patterns like two days or like you know two weeks it's just like i'm not going to sort this out in time so it didn't apply yeah. you know? um but yeah somebody's now through the court my imagination um,
1: uh, i actually so. did a i just listened to a podcast with peter lawton who i think He's a glass British glass power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but he was a ceramicist. And see, I think a sort of similar thing happened to him too. Just as an aside. Yeah,
2: yeah. he's uh his uh glass glassworks or whatever it's called is just down the road from me, actually. It's in Bermondsey
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so but then you sorry, so then you ended up at Royal just
2: Yeah, a bit of a a bit of a mixture of sort of like Enthusiasm, being pretty good at certain bits, and a bit of sort of like, um, uh, sort of like bravado, you know, just trying it out. And, yeah. Uh, and and the people who would the people who had taken me on that trip that day, they got really angry because yeah, they, they <laughs> applied and didn't get in, and I and they're like, you
0: didn't even want to go. <laughs> oh. are, you, are you still friends with them? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One of my questions is. I've heard a lot of people over the years talk about how they are revolutionizing ceramics and I just <laughs> want to know is it possible to revolutionize? Did I make that claim. No. <laughs> I was like waiting for it and I was like oh, it's coming any second now.
0: No, mm-hmm. somebody said it to Cami, I think, right?
1: Or yeah, Amy like like it- somebody said it to me one time and then a couple other people were just describing other people who were revolutionizing ceramics. And I was like, ah, I don't think they are, but I want to, I want interested. I just point started of painting view.
0: and I'm going to start telling painters that I'm revolutionizing.
1: Yeah, move
0: over. Can't be that difficult. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah right. Oh, ooh, ouch. Um, <laughs>
2: I just I just animated your painting audience as well
1: yeah I, there there goes like two listeners <laughs> <laughs> um I guess like Gus was one of them as he's a painter but yeah. <laughs> I guess my question like is it possible to revolutionize ceramics A and B who is anyone doing it and I don't think if it's possible I don't know
2: no I don't think it's possible I don't I don't I wouldn't make it um Make a claim to be doing that. I think, as I said, it's been around for a long time, hasn't it? You yeah. know, um I think people might be using like sort of revolutionary approaches or or even like you know, like um sort of breaking the paradigm a little bit, but I don't need the don't need to revolutionise it. In fact, like my sort of argument at the start was like I don't even, I wouldn't make a claim to be revolutionising but I think I'm trying to change the way it's taught. You know, like so, like, um, and I'm not suggesting I'm, a, I'm exclusive in that. Like, I think there's a number of people, um, but uh, I don't think it's possible.
1: I think is there anything with like computer, like 3D design, like 3D printers, or anything that could possibly? There's some. Come there's close? some.
2: There's some people doing some cool stuff with CAD printing and stuff but um no, i don't um i don't think it's particularly revolutionary like how can it be revolutionary to put all that effort into make something that you could have made while you were drunk <laughs> well, you know what i mean like you like because there's a lot of acceptance I'm being sort of provocative but like there's a lot of acceptance of like um it's almost like a reverse industrial revolution. It's like they can make something highly crafted. They spend hours programming the computer, setting the printer up, and then printing it, and it looks like you know that you could have done it better if you'd have just gone direct. You know. Um So, like, uh, and I, I recognize there's a lot of good stuff happening. There's some really good people, but but I don't. It's 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 some way off being revolutionary. I'm not suggesting why not get there. I mean, one of the things I've been in the last five years, I mean, a lot of sort of funding bids and I wonder why there hasn't been some sort of assembly line of of like uh, 3D printers, you know, where like, for example, so you get one printer prints the form and the next one uses an on or something to sort of like clean up the form because you get this sort of crazy surface, you know. There's actually a woman in the, there's, there is actually a woman in um, in Berlin whose name escapes me um barbara uh i'd have to look her up Uh, but she's doing some wild stuff with 3d printing but it's still like and it's probably the best i've seen and there's also um unfold in antwerp or somewhere who are doing great stuff but it's still sort of like you know we're doing all this work to arrive somewhere close to where we already are (laughs) so In the definition of revolutionary, I don't think it's revolutionary. I think it's exciting and interesting and and it's challenging to sort of tradition, but I don't think it's particularly revolutionary. And I I really rate the people working in the field, so I'm not even that to be rude, I just don't see it. But as per the definition of revolutionary, I don't see it as revolution.
0: I think like the most, the closest, the most revolutionary thing I've seen in a while was actually just when Uh, Tony and Duncan came last time and I got to watch Tony work with all these really, he was like pretty much just working with like plywood and plexiglass and a drill and then plaster. And it was all these really old techniques for using like the one that I think about a lot is that plaster sled, I think you called it that was just running along the side of a table. Yeah. And it was (laughs) but I don't know if it was just because it wasn't taught here, but it was it was like such a oddly simple way of building up new forms and and it was something that I, I I actually like didn't think you could do. Like I sort of never thought about how people used to make plaster positives before they could just print pieces. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well um, that, interesting when when we wrote when we you just reminded me that when we wrote I mean Duncan wrote the book. Um the book, yeah. book. The indispensable the indis- the ceramics. The ceramics.
1: ceramics the indispensable guide.
2: Yeah, I've only noticed that that that's that's repackaged. I didn't even know that existed until about two weeks ago, that book. <laughs> it was called the workshop I've called it the workshop guide. Anyway, that, that book um, the publisher was wanting us to write a big section on CAD and 3D printing and actually argued quite for a long time saying this will be the thing that dates the book because yeah. the sort of tech is too new. Yeah. So, like Rhino or whatever, we superseded by something else. And conversely, almost everything else was three, four hundred years old in the book, <laughs> doesn't date the book because it's sort of like, you know. So, I'm, I'm sounding like a bit of a Luddite now, aren't I? Um, but um, yeah, it's a really interesting question. Like, so that, like, in a way, I don't, uh, I mean, it's nice that you say that because, but I don't feel like that was particularly revolutionary other than to show like almost like reinvent techniques that were around for a long time and sort yeah. of like reveal them. Yeah. And 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 maybe the, the, the revolutionary bit is to sort of go, well, you know, like a little bit of planning and preparation, like doing sort of a bit of woodwork. Yeah. And, and a and a bit of finishing a plexiglass before you do the forming. Um and and the forming as well is pretty straightforward. So yeah, but they're like I, I love those te- the reason I like those techniques is you can pretty much I can, I can pretty much iron out all the variables. So like um, I can turn up with a bag of tools in, in, in Brooklyn and, and know what I'm going to make because the only variable is the plaster. Everything else has already been pre-designed because I've cut these tools and we can um. even improvise on site. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I did this quite canny thing when I became head of departments. So I taught all of the, we call them technicians in the UK model, all of the sort of master craftsmen who run the workshops, um, and I, and we have like a really long suite of like craft workshop, jewelry, uh, plastics, wood, metal workshops. Now I, I offered all of the technicians in those workshops a sort of a day of uh, learning ceramics. I did sledging, so I did like you know plaster forming with tools. Yeah. And the thing was, is it it's sort of like because I've done it for a long time, it looks really easy.
0: Yeah. But actually,
2: <laughs> and and the only bit of like it's really interesting sort of like analogy for sort of most ceramic processes. A lot of the knowledge lies in a really small part of it, you know, like, so, um, you know, in a way, like sort of throwing a lot of the knowledge just knows in like, it it lies in the clay being in the right condition. You know, if it's the clay is in the right condition, we're not going anywhere. And like all of the knowledge lies in, in sledging in this four minutes of sort of like, working time you have where the plaster goes from a liquid to a solid yeah um and so you have to make means that all of the all of the tools and everything else has to be done well and then you, you only have this short window of time but it's relatively straightforward if all your tools and all the parts are correct and when yeah. I showed these technicians and they were like all
0: like macho was. yeah yeah this looks easy yeah <laughs> like there's plastered that was that was me right after you guys left town
1: last time <laughs> um after all this time do you even still like ceramics like do you are you like oh i look at uh, i can say ta- so I, I can
2: actually i can actually take your leave here if i'm honest
1: yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> um like clay's clay's a really rogue material isn't it it's like you know we spend we spend we're almost spending all of our time just trying to like you know make sure clay does what we wanted to. <laughs> um, have you worked? I, what, I, oh,
0: go ahead. Go on, sorry. Oh, have you worked much with other materials?
2: Um, like yeah, as an industrial bit, designer. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of glass and some um, cutlery and stuff. So I think in the US you call it flatware. You know, yeah. something. Like. Um, I, I designed the in-flight dining for British Airways. Okay, so next that's, time, I
0: saw that on your resume. I wanted. To, I wanted yeah.
2: to <laughs> that So ne- next time you travel first class, you know.
0: Yeah, um, right. That'll be soon.
2: Um. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs>
1: British, I'm British Airways. Yeah. <laughs> Just
2: like being uh, more specific. But yeah, the the um, yeah, so on. But that was an interesting experience because I on that, um, you know, I got this sort of job. Uh, for about, I don't know how long, for like 15, 18 years from now, I basically had this sort of like, I would be 50% in school, so 50% teaching and 50% freelancing in my own projects. And during that time, I worked for people like Wedgwood and British Airways and World Worcester, so quite prestigious manufacturers. Um, and so for British Airways, they came to me with this. They wanted to uh, produce that they enlisted a, an agency called Win Creative, which is the guy called Tyler Brulé who basically started Wallpaper Magazine. I don't know if you know Wallpaper Magazine. Yeah. It's sort So of Style mag. And um, he had this consultancy. Um, and so he just... he just It was quite a cool story. He just went. He spent that much time traveling. He went to British Airways and said, you're sort of service model is awful you're supposed to be the sort of like flag carrier for uk and the, the service you offer is terrible there's no provenance so he, he sort of cold pitched to them and, and they bought a hook line and sinker <laughs> <laughs> so then and then um so he sort of created his own job with british airways but then he did exactly what it was quite it, I, I quite like the story of how british airways fed back to him what he'd said to them because then he was like, so we'll change the whole like dining experience and we'll have like, you know, Stelton and we'll have the Stelton silverware and we'll have WMF cutlery and we'll have um, Royal Copenhagen ceramics and Italy glassware and British airways. Like, no, you said provenance. You said Britishness. Every single brand you're using here is like, they might be beautiful, modernist brands, but they're all not british so yeah <laughs>
1: Whoa.
2: so like they sort of like just gave him this sort of spiel back to him which was quite funny and then so in that they found me as a freelance designer working almost exclusively in tableware um i, I worked i designed nap you know, tablecloths the plastic tray the glassware everything um but the, the one yeah. i stuck with was the flatware the cutlery because i'd never done that before and i made an awful mess of it a few i had to have a few goes yeah because i was sort of like you know just drawing this thing and it was going off and then it was coming back you trying to eat with it or what and it, it was just awful to hold <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: four or five goes and it was a very much an example of like you know pushing the edge of the envelope of your sort of what you can just blag your way into and i, did, I had to do sort of like fairly intensive um sort of like, you know, retrograde sort of like study of how to design cutlery because I um, really appreciated how difficult it was. You know? Yeah. Um, pretty much like glass, you know, or anything. You know? So, um, but one of the interesting things about asking that question is that I always we always talk about in the departments that we teach from specialists to generalist. And that means that we go in depth into the subject of ceramics. But as people are graduating or going into the master's, we become more relaxed about, like, mixing materials but that's because we feel that because they've had like really intensive sort of um, crafts you know like specialist crafts education that then if they try and use wood or plastic they'll bring some of that sensibility into using that other material so there's a, a sort of integrity of the endeavor it's not simply a case of um, oh I can do some glass Like will actually if you you know if you're going to use start working in glass having just done a year and a half of in-depth ceramics then surely you apply some of that methodology and approach and thinking to the new material so we describe this as for, from specialist to generalist whenever I say the head of college always freaks out because he's like that's completely counter to the everything else that we say <laughs> everybody else we say from from generalist to specialist <laughs> so I've created this sort of like departments of um you know uh, that's completely sort of like I an mean, idiosyncrasy in the in the institution.
1: Um, it sounds like you're a joy to work with for administration. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if only they, if only that, you wouldn't believe the sort of hassle I've caused over COVID. You know, so, um,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they love you. So I'd, I'm going to like keep that in. I'm going to send them.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> This you got is, anything else, Cammie? Yeah. No, I can't. I mean, I'll probably like leave this conversation and be like, oh, but thank you so much. We I, we learned so much and it was so great talking to you.
0: Yeah, it's, so- it's nice to catch up a little bit, Tony. I can't wait till you guys can come back at some point.
2: Yeah, and no, I'll look forward to it actually. Oh yeah, I can't I- wait. I'm, I'm done staying at home now. So. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> I want to go.
1: After this conversation, I sort of realized even though I have a terminal degree in my field, I was thinking maybe I should redo it again at Central Saint Martins, then maybe learn actually how to make ceramics. We'll see, you may see my application.
0: Next year. (laughs) Maybe we should apply together, Cammie. I know, right? Joint. As as a team. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The two of us will make one really good student. We'll make like
0: (laughs) one mediocre student.
1: (laughs) As long
0: as you would have to tie yourself together all the time, you okay. oh like a three-legged race.
1: <laughs> I'd kill myself. <laughs> It'd be a
0: lot of dead weight to drag around. Uh, cool. Well,
2: um, yeah, it's been really nice to meet you both on the, in this weird moment. Yes, yeah.
1: totally. Um, and
2: and, and uh, the only the only thing I like, I when I come back, we should do this live from Sunny's.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yes, that would be so fun
0: and it's been a i went to sunny's like maybe right in the fall and cuz they you could go sit out back and it was really nice but i haven't been back gonna, yeah
2: well, no that, that yeah. that's now our unofficial headquarters so. yeah that's the best <laughs> It's the
0: best outpost
1: <laughs> the best bar in new york city we're
0: going to have to edit out the name of it
1: yeah exactly yeah all, those, can't. <laughs> all the ceramicists will be like looking for other ceramicists uh, funny. yeah yeah
2: you gotta keep it secret yeah see what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, just ditch that whole bit <laughs>
1: um, okay well thank cool. you so much Thanks, Tony. meeting you thank you Oh,
2: no, really nice to see you both
1: I think we were right in saying that you and I together would make one mediocre student.
0: We should go put it to the test.
1: <laughs> I would gladly, actually, he was saying that they have a doctorate program and I was like, whoa, hmm. right?
0: Yeah, maybe back to school.
1: Yeah, what would we do with it? I would, I would be able to say, well, because I tell my students like, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think you're doing that right. But then I would be able to be like, I am a doctor, and I don't think you're doing that right.
0: I am a doctor and I know that you're doing that wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose know. that's probably worth committing like years <laughs> of your life to, just for that joke. <laughs> you why don't you say I'm a master? And I know that you're doing that wrong.
1: Ah, one time I called myself a master. I was like, oh, I called myself a master ceramicist in front of um a glass blower and he was like (laughs) master (laughs) i was like what i am
0: yeah and i've got a piece of paper to prove it
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah well i actually i went to cammy's house and she um her apartment i spent thanksgiving there um and she has nothing on her living room walls except her degree from cranbrook (laughs) and it's in a it's in a huge gold frame it's crazy with a with just a picture of her in her like in her gown and her cap um which I mean, was I thought it was really strange I mean I'm kind of surprised that her boyfriend crew is okay with living like that but cuz all the furniture pointed towards it too which was wild cuz they have a TV but all the furniture points towards uh, the degree um uh,
1: you know that the the design of the of the degree is beautiful
0: i'm sure it is i'm sure it is as if it's from cranbrook alfred alfred's they just write it out in crayon and give-
1: <laughs> they're like good luck good luck out there young man it's, in, like,
0: co- it's in comic sans actually. they were like
1: we never we don't know how to not kick people out that aren't good enough we just <laughs> let them graduate that's what they that's what i heard about. it's easier to
0: just push them through Hey, and that's why I'm here talking to you guys today.
1: <laughs> here we are. um Anyway, wait—is this an outro? What yes, are doing? I don't know. uh But thanks, thanks so everybody. much to Tony Quinn, and thanks everyone for coming back to the Strange oh, podcast. God. And we'll see you next time.
0: I'm sorry, Alfred. I do love you. Oh jeez. <laughs>